I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. And you can catch us on YouTube as part of the Empire Media Network, A-M-P-I-R-E. If you're watching us right now, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Going to keep doing this all year, folks. Today, I'm joined by my pal, Bram Weinstein, the voice of the Washington Commanders, as we wrap up the first week of practice. The Commanders are off on Sunday. So there's not going to be any practice. So I wanted to do a longer podcast so you could get a feel for more so for what happened from the week from someone else's perspective other than mine. But what, what, well, before I get to that, one reminder, you can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW. You can read my work on ESPN.com. Of course, there's been a bunch of news stories throughout this week. Have a story up now on Ryan Kerrigan announcing his retirement. And we also have for ESPN.com, we have daily nuggets from every NFL training camp, so you can find it there. Pay attention to not only what's going on here, but also around the NFL. And before I get to my conversation with Bram, I did want to give one or two little nuggets from Saturday just to kind of keep that little momentum going about practice, et cetera. But the one guy, I want to talk about one position that's tight end, and Bram and I get into some of this um, with, with the tight end group in general. But there were two plays today to rookie Cole Turner that I think really kind of highlight what he can add to this offense. And if he's going to be a contributor in this offense, it'll be because of these reasons. And there was one play in the red. They did a lot of red zone work on Saturday. So there was one play in the red zone where um, Wentz basically hits him in the back of the end zone and throws it up high. Bobby McCain in front of him. McCain is not a tall guy, but it takes a really good throw there. But you're throwing it up because you're throwing it to Cole Turner, who is even is, is a tall guy, 6'5", whatever he is, 6'6". But he plays big. And so Wentz puts it up high. So you have a tall quarterback thrown to a tall tight end, gets it up high. Nobody's got a shot at the ball except for um, except for Cole Turner. And he comes down with it. A couple plays later, I think the other thing that, that he showed is not just the height, the way he's big, but the extension that he can play with. So there was a zone. Um, he finds a soft spot in the zone. And I can't, there was a defensive back right to the right of him. But nobody had a chance to really close on the play because of the way that Turner extended for the ball. And just a good catch, but it's because of that extension. He, he's big, and he plays bigger because of that. It makes him tough to guard in those situations. I like the way he got to that spot and immediately sat down. He turns, and the ball's there. And just a really nice job by him. But it shows a way that he can contribute right away, potentially. Then I also saw some of that same size. Curtis Hodges, the big tight end as well. And Taylor Heineke, similar to what I just described with Wentz and Turner in the back of the end zone. You saw that with Heineke and Curtis Hodges. Throws it up high, throw it to where your guy is the only one who's going to get it. But he did. He came down with it right in the back of the end zone. Just a nice throw because it was the right throw. 
and it was a really good catch to come down. Now, there was some dispute about whether he got his feet inbounds. The defense, of course, said no. It looked like he got it inbounds. There's no replay, so we're going to go with that instinct. But a nice job. But again, it shows what they can do. Hodges has more work to do than Turner, of course. But I think where that's where Turner is going to help you is he can do some things right now that I think can help this team this season. So there you go. I just wanted to pass along some of those nuggets. Um, and Bram and I, again, get into some of what happened, a little bit of what happened today, but really what's been happening throughout the course of the week. So no more wasted time. Let's get to my conversation with the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Bram, one of the perks, I think, of this job sometimes is being able to bring your son to a practice where maybe it's kind of a cool thing for them where they actually say, hey, my dad's not is not such a bad guy. Your son was out here today. Seemed like a pretty cool kid. Did he have fun? Uh, he had a blast. He's fan for life now because I'm just going to say this, and I no one's going to believe me, but I'm going to tell you, it was completely, literally unsolicited. Um, he has a Terry McLaurin jersey, and he wore it to camp today. And I guess McLaurin saw him because he was, he wasn't standing out where we stand. He was behind the ropes with the rest of the fans. He saw him. And as we were walking away from the practice area where McLaurin was catching passes, somebody from the staff ran over to him and said, Terry wants me to give you this and gave him a game ball. Um, so, I mean, I can't even begin to describe to you, um, you know, how I felt about seeing that I didn't ask for that, you know, and it was really, it was pretty unbelievable. Like he, after the practice, Sam Cosby came over and talked to him. He met Ron Rivera. He got inter- he got autographs from Jahan Dotson, McLaurin, a bunch of other players, Jamin Davis. I mean, he just he's over the moon. And you know what? Like it's funny. I remember going to Carlisle with my parents doing a pilgrimage, and there's pictures of me like shaking hands with Joe Gibbs and getting Joe Jacoby's autograph. And it stuck with me. And so I'm, you know, I like I I believe football's kind of family to me. You know, we've laughed about it here, like you're kind of married to it, and it's it's really not a joke. You are. Um, and, um, that was really, it was a special day for me and him really. Yeah. And that's all cool stuff. Like I remember when my kids were younger, you'd have a chance if there was a day in Richmond or something like that, where you could bring them out there. Um, and they would get an opportunity to at least see players up close or maybe meet them. And, you know, my son still talks about a time where he met Chris Cooley and some other guys like that, because it's just a cool thing to do for them. So I'm, I'm glad he was able to be out here. Glad I could meet him. Like I said, shout out to he's a, he seems like a pretty fun kid. So anyway, but today was a lot. There were a couple of things. I want to wrap up this first week in a minute because it's what four, it was four practices that we saw and you start to get a feel for some things, but today also was about Ryan Kerrigan and yep. him. He had his retirement press conference Saturday morning. I'm just, what, what are your thoughts about him as, and clearly, I mean, he, his last year was playing under the Washington football team, but he was a Redskin. And so what are your thoughts on him and his retirement and what he meant here? Yeah, for the uh, for Archer getting to see the cool part of dad's job, um, him watching me interview him for <laughs> for my show was, you know, cool. And 
you know, I think it, I think it, it dawns on them at, at some point too, because I don't, and I try not to make a big deal of what I do with my kids, you know, but um, it is a very special job. And, you know, when you're just walking around and Ryan Kerrigan knows who you are and is like high-fiving you and then does an interview with you, it's cool, you know, for my kid to see that. Um, I thought Ryan is one of the, you know, singularly three or four best players that's come through here over the last decade, maybe the best. Um, he belongs to the Ring of Honor, in my opinion. He owns a sack record for the team. Um, I think he had an extremely steady career. I wouldn't call it spectacular, but certainly for this team, it was really, really good and reliable. He was a great ambassador for this team. He never seemed to get frustrated with all the ups and downs, and there were a lot of them here. Um, and, you know, I think he's just, he's one of those guys, like, when you make a first round pick, this is what you can hope you get out of it. They got a decade out of a guy who had almost a hundred sacks, barely missed any games and always said the right thing and was always a good teammate. And today when I had a chance to talk to him, you know, I did talk about the future and I asked him about Chase Young and Montez Sweat and I'll let you, you know, tune into my show. You'll get to hear what he said about those two players and, you know, where, where he kind of feels about, you know, where things are going with those two specific people. So really, um, you know, I think he's just had a wonderful career, and I'm glad that he chose to do this today, and I'm glad the team had him back. Yeah, and to me, he was he was everything about him was consistent approach, productivity, professionalism, uh, dealing with him in the locker room. It was he was always the same guy. There aren't a lot of guys who I think are always like that. I mean, Santana Moss was a guy like that too, yep. which is why he's always one been one of my favorites to have dealt with. Um, and I think there's you know, I think certain other guys, John Allen is consistent. I think. Kerrigan is, um, it was like that, right? And, you know, you, when you could, he was always approachable, um, it gave you time, et cetera. So I always appreciate that about him. So it was nice to see him have that day, but you see the numbers that he put up just very consistent throughout. And it's no surprise because I did a story a couple of years ago, Bram, where I kind of went over, like, how do you get to be this NFL Ironman? And part of what it was, is like the daily regimen and, you know, he even said today that when he wake up and eat breakfast, even in the off season, you're thinking about how does this affect football, but he yeah. would do things like he was drinking 300 ounces of water during the season, <laughs> just to stay hydrated. And just yeah. to make sure you help his body recover. I think I'm drinking 300 ounces of water the last few days. It's been a burner. I mean, I know we've had morning practices, but it's been a burner out there, but yeah, no Kerrigan was just, I mean, I just think he was a great role model, you know, for the franchise. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's making his home here. Hopefully he's done a lot of work in the community. Um, he had a golf tournament that raised a lot of money for leukemia research for a long time that I think got stunted because of COVID, you know, everything shut down and hopefully he'll get back to that type of work as well. And he also told me he wants to get into coaching. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, whether that's locally or within the professional collegiate ranks. Do you think they missed a guy like him in that room last year? Maybe whether it's him, because I know they obviously made the decision not to resign him, but a guy with that kind of veteran knowledge, and he even talked about it too, about guys coming up to him and asking him, he kind of likes that role, which is why the coaching appeals. Do you think they missed a guy like that in the locker room with that defensive line, especially the pass rushers? I think last year in hindsight now, after the way that the season started and what was being said about that group specifically, that it might've been helpful to have a veteran voice in the room that the younger guys like Sweat and Young really leaned on early in their careers and and he was willing to give him time and, and, you know, um, you know, give him his knowledge and his wisdom of his, of his time here and what he's learned. Um, and you know, like every team does this and this team did it. Like, I think John Bostic was on this team last year, partially because they wanted him to be a mentor, not necessarily to be a player, but to be a mentor. 
Um, they brought Thomas Davis in, you know, the first year and ex care, longtime Carolina guy. There wasn't a lot left in the tank, but we know why he was here to kind of set a tone, you know, for everybody about this is how things are done under Ron Rivera and try to get everybody, you know, not in line, but like help that process along from inside the locker room. And so I don't know that it was a mistake because like, look, like you do have to have players that you think are going to be effective on the field on your right. roster. You only have 53 and Philadelphia did not have a good pass rush and he barely played. So that ought to tell you, you know, where he was in his career at that point. That said, I, I do think just based on how the season started, where we're talking about maturity and guys aren't doing things exactly the way the coaches want them to do. And the lead, the line's not working in coordination with one another. It might've been helpful to just have him in the room. And maybe some of that stuff would have kind of flipped the switch maybe a little sooner um, in the season. And I also wonder too, you can serve as a bridge between the players and the coach. If you have that sort of guy who has a relationship with the coach like that, who can, who can talk to the coach and say, this technique isn't working because, or what you're asking to do here is tough because, or you can tell the player, the player may ask you, Ryan, what do you think about what he's saying? Well, just work within it within this, this way or something like that. So there's a lot of wisdom there to be gained um, for, for no, without a doubt. So, but it was good to see him. He looks healthy. He looks happy. His three daughters were here with him. Uh, fun to see him in that role. So it'll be, I hope he stays in the game because I think he does have a lot, a lot of knowledge to give, but let's get to what's going on right now. And what was, do you, what are some of your bigger takeaways throughout this first week? Uh, you know, defense is ahead of the offense or offense isn't functioning the way I think they would hope. Um, but, you know, I don't want to like make too much of it or throw red flags up or all that stuff. I think partially because I think we need to be careful with Wentz, frankly. Like, I think it's one thing to, to any quarterback, because this happened last year, too, where the reason why Taylor Heineke had a small chance at winning the job going into the summer was things were not functioning that well, actually in the spring with right. Ryan Fitzpatrick, which led to Ron Rivera saying Heineke has a shot at the job. That's not what happened this spring. Actually, everything looked pretty good during OTAs. But, you know, if you just want a first impression of the first few days and it's still July, um, there was a tremendous amount of inaccuracy. The defensive line is blowing up the offensive line over and over. If you want to feel good about the back seven, go watch the last few days of practice. You will feel really good about the back seven. Um, and that said, like the offense certainly doesn't look like that it's, you know, got itself together at this point. And some of that is Wentz and obvious inaccuracy that you, you'd have to be blind not to see it, you know, during practice. That said, I will hear out Ron Rivera the other day where he's like, Hey, look, you know, like we're not game planning for anything. The defense is kind of doing their thing and we're doing our thing. And it's different when we kind of get, you know, to try to game plan against one another and give it time. Like, let's be fair about this. Let's give it time. They don't have all their pieces out there. They are shuffling around a lot of offensive linemen right now. I think they're shuffling around a lot of package groups because I don't think they know exactly what they want to run out there because they have a lot of options right now. So I don't want to get too, you know, wigged out <laughs> about the whole thing. But um, if you have these concerns, and I do, about Wentz and uh, accuracy and Wentz and decision-making, you're not going to like what you saw the first couple of days, frankly. You, you aren't. And there are there is a flip side. And part of that, as we've, because we, you and I have talked about this on the sidelines a few times, and when I'm watching him, sometimes I'm like, well, this is the guy that we've seen on film. He, is in, he was inconsistent in Indianapolis. Um, some of that was 
on him and his throws. Some of that was on a, what I feel is not, was not a great receiving group. Some of that was on the offensive line, but certainly there, there are times he just misses throws or he throws even on air. You'll see him throw high, too high, maybe miss a guy because of that. That's where, you know, you see some of those inconsistencies as well. And then you see some throws where it's like, wow, you know, some of those yeah. deep balls off his back foot, throwing 40 yards down the sideline yes. to, you know, to Jahan Dotson. And then today, um, Saturday, he had, there was a throw that he made to the back of the end zone to Jahan Dotson. And I was standing back there with a couple of the reporters, like, why are you throwing it back there to him? Because, you know, he's five foot 10 or whatever. Okay. And he wasn't really open. It was just a bullet. It was too high. It was incomplete. Come back the next play. And I'm like, well, he made the same catch in that same spot against Indiana. Go watch the film. Next play, um, Dotson with a little skinny post in that right down in the inside on the right side and a bullet by, by Wentz for a touchdown. And like, you see that too. So, you know, so where is it like, what's the, I guess, what should be the takeaway with that? Because you see those throws and you see the other stuff. Is there, is it more encouraging here, pessimistic here, or is it, I guess it's, maybe it's just all of it. So, um, you know, what you get to see and what you're describing in, in real time is the reason why he's here and, and the way I would put it, taking a chance on him, right? A big chance on him. Right, yeah. I, yes. um, he can do things that Heineke cannot do, or actually most people can't do. Um, and so that's on display. The one that made the, the rounds the other day, the catch by Dotson down the sideline the other day, it was great, great pass, great catch, all that stuff. Like that was a, I mean, off his back foot, throwing a lob past 40 yards, like it was nothing, you know, and that's the type of stuff they haven't had here in a while, really. You know, they, Dwayne Haskins had the type of arm strength, but he clearly, you know, had, had not caught up to what they were hoping for with an understanding of the offense. Every other quarterback they've had over the last, you know, few years at least, they, they couldn't do these things, right? So that's on display here, and that's the positive, and that's why he's here. Now, um, you and I both know this. Like, in this league, the margin for error for success and non-success is very small, like really, 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 really small. And so many of his throws, and this is why I want to be careful, because this is really the first week he's had everybody. It's the first week they're really practicing it is still all new to him. That's why I really want to be fair to him. Cause you know, you do see a lot of what you saw last year, which worries me, but I don't want to like, what's he supposed to walk in here and everything's supposed to be clicking. Like that's not fair to him, you know, to like, but that said, a lot of these throws are off and they're off in a way that you just know it when you see it, that if that stuff does not move a foot to the left or a foot to the right or a foot lower than it is, you're going to have receivers not catching it in stride, or you're going to have batted balls, or you're going to have incompletions, and it's going to have a devastating effect on the game where mistakes are going to happen. So, you know, I want to be fair to him, but I'm seeing that. You're seeing it too. Yeah, like yeah, no, everybody is seeing it. it, right? So hopefully he'll have a better week next week. Like nothing's changing here. Nobody's like calling for a job change or anything like that. But like some of the stuff that we saw, which is, you hope for a different level of preciseness, especially on intermediate routes. It is not there yet, not in practice. No, no. And again, I think this is what we saw. And I, I think what I'm curious to see as we get deeper in the preseason and start in the games is how the speed manifests itself for him. And while, you know, we all think that he's got more receiving talent here, 
does it play out that way? Right. And how does that help him? And so I think that's something to watch too. And do they give him more open targets? And but that's still even with open targets, you still see the inaccuracy. It's sometimes it's not just the wrong shoulder, it's just like it's an airmail. And you know, it, I mean, it has there are a couple of things too here, like that I saw that I really like about him that right. has carried over here. Like his ball fakes are excellent. You know, the pre-snap, you know, three-step, just he's he knows where he's going with the ball pre-snap. Excellent. Like he's world-class excellent at this stuff. And you see that. And I heard Ron Rivera in an interview recently where he said something we're emphasizing him to take more layups. I think it's, a, you know, that's where I landed on him. You know, as I've talked to you for the last few months, that's where I've landed on him. I think they need to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hands quickly, hopefully have some success with some of these skill position players that can make, you know, can make some yards with their legs. You know, we have dynamic skill position players, so hopefully he can break a few plays. And maybe that gives him the confidence and then things kind of build from there. I know you're on the other side of this that you, you know, that a defense is going to adjust very quickly if they do that. But I, I don't know. My, my, I don't want to say baby step this a little bit, but I'm, I'm more feel like he, his confidence needs to be built back up just a little by little by little. And the small wins are going to really, really, really matter for him, in my opinion, I, early. I think they will. But, and I think when, when you and I have talked, like, I think they're going to take several shots a game. I don't think you go bombs away the whole game. That would be a massive mistake. That would be, you know, Bruce Arians, the Jameis Winston type of mistake. But I do think you're going to see some of that because to get some of the underneath stuff, you're going to want to threaten deep. And yep. so I so but I don't think we're too far off in what we're saying, because I I just think you're going to see some of that vertical game because I know that they want to attack down the field. Uh, but the quick game and you see it sometimes here, too. And what I like about it with him is size to see over the line and make a quick decision and a good, accurate, quick throw. And yes. you've seen that more there. I've seen it a couple of times. McLaurin saw it again today. I think it was McKissick on a slant running back, and he puts it down nice and low inside and allows him to run after the catch. But it's a quick decision under duress, but that size, I think, helps him in that area too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I we'll never get, like, the full answer out of him. But what's so odd is that, like he used to be an extremely accurate passer when he was in Philadelphia. We saw this, like we saw it and you know, I, I don't know what it is the last couple of years, but this is where I feel like this is really, this is not an athleticism thing. This is a psychological confidence thing. And that's why I think it is so important. They've been messaging from the get go. You're wanted here. You're wanted here. You're wanted here. Like, don't feel like you have to prove like you, we want you here, you know, we'll deal with it after this year if it's bad, but like, you're wanted here. You're wanted here over and over and over. And I think in camp, even if he struggles, you will not hear a whiff of it's not your job because they need to keep his confidence up, keep his confidence up, keep his confidence up. And then from there, I do like the idea of, can we get a small win here? Make him feel good here. Make him feel good there. And if all of a sudden, you know, he starts to trust himself again, then I think, you know, they potentially will have revamped his career and solved a problem that they've had for years because he's got the ability to do these things, all right. of them. It's just the question, I think, of building his confidence up to be that guy again. And also living within the mistakes because I don't think you're going to necessarily correct his accuracy. And by accuracy, it's not so much completion percentage. It's where are you putting the ball and, and that, those kind of things. But you're going to live with that. But that's why I think it's good that they have guys who can extend beyond um, make the, make themselves play bigger. I'm trying to avoid saying wide catch radius, but make themselves bigger 
which gives him a better target. How much does that help? So I think that's how you mitigate some of those issues for him is by getting the Cole Turner types who's gonna, who could be a threat in the red zone, et cetera. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who are some other guys? I mean, you've been out here all week. What else has jumped out to you? On offense or, or just the Let's team on, in general? On, on anything. If, we can stay with offense if you want. Um, so, uh, obviously their tight end room is fascinating right now with Logan Thomas, not necessarily coming back anytime soon. And I know how they're, what they're saying about Cole Turner. I mean, I think they think they've got a hit at it. Yes. And he is, um, he's big target for sure. Um, there were a couple of moments though, like he does look like a rookie, like he doesn't get his head around sometimes on things and they're working with him on stuff like that. Everyone tells me he's not Bates as a blocker. So when he's out there, he ain't blocking anybody. Like they're bringing him out there as a target. So there's, you know, there's work to do. And everybody, I think everybody needs to slow their role on what kind of role he may have. But if Logan Thomas isn't going to be ready for week one, he's going to be out in the slot a lot. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Dotson looks as good now as he did in the spring. He's just really, really smooth. He makes one catch a day that you're like, oh man, they got two number one receivers here. You know, like, so you feel good about that. Um, the other thing that concerns me about the offense is what I've, is a concern I've had all along, which is the offensive line. Yeah. Um, they're already shuffling players in there. I'm glad to see that Rulier is back. He's not really practicing yet, but he is back off of the list. Um, they've already had guys shuffle around. They're moving a lot of pieces around in there. Like if you're really paying attention, you'll see a lot of different offensive line combinations, like a lot more than I expected. And, and granted, I know it's early and they're probably testing a lot of guys out and they need to have contingency plans. And it's a very competitive spot because while I don't know that they have the frontline strength that they've done, they had the last couple of years, they certainly do have the depth and it's competitive again. So, but if you watch what's happening, there's a lot of moving parts going on right now. And the defensive line is feasting on them, especially in nine on nine and 11 on 11 moments. They are destroying them. So that's a concern for me on that side of the ball for sure. The nine-on-nine stuff, too, and you're right. They, the defense looks pretty good there. They also know it's a passing drill, so yep. you don't have the threat of the run to stop anybody. But an imp- one of the things I like that they do with their offensive line is they do rotate guys. So Chase Ruye was talking about that today. Is like, I've played with multiple guards next to me, but that gets you ready. That First of all, it gets you to know that guy a little bit better on the field, so that way if you're forced to play with them in a game, you already have an idea of what this guy can do. So that's, I guess, the positive spin about that. The other side, though, is you're still searching for some guys because you want that consistency. That's the other side of it. Um, defensively, what's jumped out to you? 
they've, I mean, they've stolen the show here first couple of days for sure. Montez Sweat has looked amazing. Deron Payne is Deron Payne looks in. really good. Deron Payne is locked in. Yeah, I think yeah, I said yeah, this to you good. the other day. There was one play where I saw him where he crossed over Sam Cosme to the point where he fell to his knees. It was like an Allen Iverson move. He is really, really locked in. And on him, it, it's funny, like, you know, this whole week, I've gotten a few people in my ear saying, you know, they do want to retain him. It's just the cap yeah. situation and they're trying to figure it out. And, you know, things changed after Wentz and McLaurin's number ended up going up, but they, they really, it's not that they don't want him. They want to retain him. They're trying to figure out a way to yep. do it. So we'll see what happens with him. Yeah. He's looked locked in here. Um, obviously like the linebackers are going to be of interest. We'll see. I don't know if they're going to bring someone else in. So, you know, that'll be of interest. And then the safeties, they're rotating a bunch of people around, you know, like, where does Cam Curl end up on the field? Probably depends on what package they're in. You know, is Derek Forrest going to be someone who's playing a lot? Looks like it right now. Is Percy Butler going to have flash in the pan moments or is he going to be someone they're going to rely on because of his speed? I don't know. So those two spots, and I think we knew that going in. We're, we're watching this, you know, in real time now, but the back seven has looked fantastic. And the other one who's really stood out is Kendall Fuller has had an amazing yeah. first week. He seems to be in on literally every play. Everyone saw that crazy play that Deami Brown made. That should have been a pick. He could have had five picks so far in the first week of camp. Like he's been all over it. And I do think William Jackson, the third is a little more comfortable. So that's a really good sign. I think that's, I think that's an underrated, important part of this. He needs to be a number one corner for them. He was not a year ago. He is far more comfortable now. And so, you know, that's a good sign. So defensively, while there's big questions here, I feel pretty good, you know, through the first week about what I've seen, even without Chase Young out there. They, they, to me, Bram, they look like they're playing fast. Now, when you're playing fast, it's because you're comfortable in a defense. And I also think, and I've talked about this in the podcast, so people don't need to hear me rehash it, but they have done a better job communicating. You hear Chris Harris all the time harping on that, the defensive backs coach who's always 30 yards behind the ball, um, but harping on that with them. And you see them being better with that. And I think William Jackson talked about it today about feeling more comfortable in zone coverage. And it, it's not as simple as, oh, well, you know, you're playing off, you're doing this. It's, it's about retraining your eyes instead of locking on a guy and knowing that this I'm going wherever this guy goes. Now you have to be aware of route concepts in this in this formation. This is typically what they do. And you've got this responsibility. Guy leaves your ear. You got to know another guy's coming in. All those things you have to get used to. And I think, he, you know, he says he's starting to get used to. So we'll see because it's always listen. When you start, when you get used to playing against an offense, which they have, you know, both sides of the ball get used to each other here. It's really the key is, okay, now how do you respond when you see something that you haven't seen yet? And then how do you respond? That's when you know you're playing fast, but good start as far as their play speed goes. But I agree with you on Payne. Payne's looked really good. And you're right. They do want to retain him. Um, I think if he wants John Allen type money, that's going to be difficult for him. But if he goes out and puts up some numbers this year, then he may get that because John Allen got it a year ago and you know that the cap goes up and then the money goes up, but he's looked really good. So they can tag him. They can tag him. I don't think they will, but they can. So, you know, and, and I just, you know, this week it was interesting because you know, the, 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 everyone just believes like, well, they can't pay everybody. And that is true. They can't, you know, but you know, this idea that he's going to be the odd man out, we always thought he might be. And right now it looks like he still may be, but it was an emphasis to me. Like they want to retain him. Yeah, They're no. hoping to figure out a way. They don't know if it's going to happen, but they do. Yeah. And, and they know that for Darian Mathis is not necessarily a replacement, but they yeah. know if they can't keep him, 
they do have his replacement. So, you know, there, there is that. Um, have you been able to focus much on Jamin Davis? Not a lot. Um, you know, I watched him on a few plays and it's hard for me to kind of render a judgment of where that is. Um, you know, for me, this is the wheels in motion part of it. If Cole Holcomb fits where they want him to fit as the middle linebacker, Jamin Davis is going to play a lot. If Cole Holcomb does not fit the way they want him to fit at middle linebacker, they're going to get another one, put him out there. And Cole Holcomb is probably going to be on the field more often than Davis will. And then when is he playing? And I don't think that's a good outcome. I mean, I think Davis is, in my opinion, behind Chase Young, probably the second best athlete on the defensive side of the ball, which means he needs to be on the field. Um, and they need to find a way to put him on the field. So all goes well to their plan. He'll be playing a lot, and hopefully, you know, he'll have an impact. If the plan doesn't go well at middle linebacker, I don't know how much he's going to play. And that, to me, is going to be one of the indictments of the coaches if they can't figure out a way to get that guy on the field. I think the coaches and the scouting as well, because it's a it's a combo package. But yeah, he does have the, the talent to do it. And there, I've watched him a few times, and I see some reactions people where that looks pretty good. But you really can't say. I think it's really yeah. hard to gauge a linebacker, also because I don't know if he's hitting his right gap when you're watching it live. I'm not. I don't have the practice tape to go back and watch, and you're not really getting into that as much. So, um, any any rookies besides Dotson, what rookies have just jumped out to you? Um, okay, so um, who's the seventh round pick corner? Holmes. Christian Holmes, like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think. Um, He's stood out a couple of times. I mean, the back seven just in general has stood out. There's another guy. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a rookie or not. It's the last name of Stribling, um, who has also, again, back seven stuff. And I'm kind of paying attention to this because there's depth problems back there, which means there are some young guys that probably are going to make the team. Um, Danny Johnson, he's not a rookie, has had a very good, you know, I think start to this camp as well. The whole back sevens look good i think you know obviously that's good? gonna flip a little bit but yeah do you know who looks good Bram is corn elder corn elder has had moments yeah he's had moments, corn right? elders had moments danny johnson's had moments um and then these two younger guys specifically holmes have really stood out that's a good sign because that's a big question mark to me is what is the depth of that position there um and we'll have to kind of see you know, if those guys actually pan out, but I think you're going to see a couple of young names obviously make the team this year. And that's where some of the competition is going to be. I haven't seen much from Mathis to be honest with you. So I can't really say much about him. And Brian Robinson stands out probably more in an interesting way. Like, I don't know. I had this picture of this kind of big, you know, almost Derek Henry ish build. And that is not what he is. He is much kind of longer and leaner than, you know, I kind of expected and heard. Um, And he's still a big guy. He's got very good hands out of the backfield, but I'm looking for a banger up the middle. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, looks are deceiving that he is that for them, because I do think that they need that in situational football for sure. And he runs lower than his size. So he's able to get his pads down, but more so than what Gibson is. And I think that's compared to Gibson, he's going to be more of a between the tackles runner. I like how he sets up block or sets up his blocks um, as well. And I really like Holmes. I mean, he's, I think he's been consistent. I watched your guy stribbling yesterday. There were a couple of times where I thought over the middle, he didn't have the ability to stay with the receiver. Um, but I did. I only watched him probably about four or five plays. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, it's certainly a guy to watch. And you know what, Bram, all this is, is for people listening to, this is a step. This is not like, you know, this guy's going to do this during the season. We don't know. It's just like, 
guy to watch, get to the preseason. How did you do in the preseason games? Then, then you go from there, but um, you know, so. Yeah. And at that point we're talking about roster spots, 50 to 53 and guys that are probably inactive (laughs) mainly on game days. So, but you know, I'll nerd out anytime you want me to. It's fine. <laughs> but, and listen, I mean, that's why when we'll talk, you can talk about Curtis Hodges as a, as a tight end. Is he going to make the roster? I don't know. But he's a guy that you're, and then when I had Donnie Warren on here, he was raving about some of those guys, Hodges and Rogers at the tight end position beyond the top three. And like, what do they do? Do they do it this year? Or are they just worth developing and see in maybe two or three years you have something? And where does Samus Reyes fit in there? Because you know, he, he, he's got some tough hands at times, but then you see him getting a lot of reps with the ones with, with Bates out and with um, Logan Thomas out, you see Ray is getting some work with the ones, but his hands are just tough. He's a good blocker can help on special teams, but I just don't think you're going to trust those hands. Yeah. Well, tight end clearly is Cole Turner and John Bates are going to make the team. And then a third one is going to make it when Logan Thomas isn't available week one, who's it going to be? And then which one goes on the practice squad and, you know, projecting it out now is impossible. But right now, if I had to guess, it probably would be Reyes because he'll play special teams for them, too. Um, and if it's not him, I actually think it's Rodgers over Hodges. But that's where I am right now. Call me in a week and I could, you know, probably would change my mind about it. And then when Logan Thomas comes back, whoever that person is, is going to go down to the practice squad for sure. I mean, that's what's going to happen. All right, Bram, week one in the books. They're back at it Monday. We'll be back out here with daily practice reports, and I'll talk to you um, soon. All right, see you then. Thanks, Bram. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday afternoon with another Training Camp podcast wrap-up. Talk to you next time.